Welcome, you're listening to A Certain Degree. Orange County's Director of Arts and Culture, Terry Olson, joins Nick to discuss the state of the arts in Central Florida. Enjoy! This episode is brought to you by Card and Fast. Studies show that giving regular greeting cards fills people with guilt. Can the recipient throw them out? Do they have to keep them a certain amount of time? Card and Fast takes out the guesswork and the guilt with cards that are set to self-destruct once opened. Perfect for all occasions, especially the 4th of July. Not available in 49 states, or the 50th one. Don't order at toacertaindegree.com. Neil Hefty and his orchestra on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. That was a song called, uh, was from one of the villains uh, that was not comic book related, Evil Ectel, the Albanian genius. Wanted to play that because I didn't get to do anything for uh, Adam's West, Adam West's passing. So I wanted to do a little tribute today. Uh, so we'll have some music from Neil Hefty and his orchestra coming up in the next hour as well. I thought it would also be a good uh, intro for our guest today, Terry Olson is here from Orange County. He's the Director of Arts and Cultural Affairs for Orange County. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Glad to be here. Thank you for getting up so early. And I've already learned a lot about you. Um, Uh Uh-oh. The fact that you've skydove, is that past tense, skydived? I'm dived, I'd say. Skydived and bungee jumped in the same day. Yep. That is is something you don't hear often. (laughs) Well. Very nice. Uh, so we're going to get to know you a little bit better. We're going to play a game today, uh, a little 20 questions. Uh, but instead of saying yes or no or high or low or anything like that, we're going to say fair or square. Because I think you got you got your start, and we'll talk a little bit about it, at Renaissance Fairs. And fair is good. Nobody likes to be foul. Everyone wants to be fair. Uh, square fair is in like a, a festival, not fair is in like mm, mediocre. Yeah, exactly. All right. And uh, square means not hip. It means there's a lot of right angles. It means somebody's putting you in a box and you mm. kind of feel constricted and maybe there's a lack of oxygen. Maybe I'm just claustrophobic. I don't know, but square is bad. Okay. Okay. Fair, good, square, bad. So Terry, how do you feel about summer blockbuster movies? Fair. Yeah. Anything in particular you're looking forward to seeing or you've already seen so far? Well, last night, my uh, my daughter and my wife took me to Wonder Woman 3D. Oh, Father's Day gift. How'd yep. you like it? It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, and the 3Ds all helped tell the story a little bit better? Well, my wife had gone with a bunch of women earlier, so she saw it regular, and then she saw it 3D. So she said that she thought sometimes it distracted yeah. uh, for her. Since I haven't seen it the other way, it was fine with me. good for you. All right. How do you feel about voicemail? Fair or square? Fair. Yeah. Do you listen to your voicemails when people call you or do you, or do you just call I do. them back? Oh, you do. Okay. So I'm going to start leaving you voicemail. I like <laughs> to know that. Where do you stand? Well, you'll have to find me not answering first. Right. Right. That's a good point. Okay. So I'll just keep texting you. Colonizing Mars. Fair or square? Fair. Do you want to go? Sure. Yeah. Do you think they have bungee jumping? They absolutely have bungee (laughs) jumping. They have those huge uh, canyons there. So I would imagine that's something. You don't even need a a bungee. Just kind of jump, right? Well, you know, people are going to go and they're going to get bored immediately. Like the science and the amazing fact that you're on another planet and all that's going to wear off pretty quickly. 
So immediately they're going to need entertainment options. Exactly. So maybe that's a bad business idea for later. Like what Actually, are we doing I think on Mars? That was one, uh, at one time we had a, a business goal of being the first entertainment in space. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that that's was it. for uh, SAC. SAC yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Improv in space. I think once you add the zero G to it, it really adds to the potential, <laughs> especially the game where you control the other person and you're moving them around uh-huh. in space. In- interesting. Summer camp. How do you feel about summer camp? Fair. Yeah. Did you go to summer camp as a kid? A couple times. Yeah. Sleep away the whole nine yards? Oh, yeah. Like for a week. Yeah. Did you make any? Do you still have the wallet you made? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. Because I was wondering what it would say on it because I'm always curious about that after seeing Pulp Fiction. Yeah. No, we did more like um, bracelet or something weaving these little plastic Green and yellow. I remember the colors that I chose. and Nice. I don't remember what we're making. <laughs> a, a thing. A chunk. <laughs> Just something to keep you busy for an hour right. so that everybody could rest for a little bit until you guys ran around again. Yep. I like that. Uh, Instagram and social media in general, where do you stand on that? Do you have a favorite social media channel? Facebook. Facebook? Yep. Yeah. So you have Fair. a... You have accounts on a lot of the other ones. Do you feel like you have to keep up with them or you have to at least have them? I think I need to um, get more into Instagram. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Photos. Photos are the way to go. Whole Foods uh, just announced that it's going to get bought out by Amazon. So how do you feel about Whole Foods now? And how do you think you're going to feel once Amazon completes the purchase? I'm, I'm pretty easy. Fair's... Fair. Fair across the board? Sure. Yep. So hopefully drones will bring you your kale and stuff like that. I think that'd like be that. cool. Yeah. All right, good. That, so, they could skip the kale, though. Oh, no kale for you? No. Just, uh... My wife likes to fry up some kale, like, uh... No, or what about it? Or whatever you call Smoothies or anything? Mm, why ruin it? Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Uh, zombies. <laughs> Square. Square, no zombies. Yeah. So as a storytelling sort of metaphor or in real life, both of them, you're out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and overdone. It It's a little bit more than... So that's why maybe the, all the monster movies are going to bring back other things and not zombies. So we've got, <laughs> I guess. They're going to do... Um, so you saw that The Mummy came out. So they have a whole universe of the old universal um, uh, characters coming okay. out. So it's going to be... Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula. Uh, I can't remember the where. I would imagine the werewolf is in there somewhere. Invisible I'm Man. Never been too much into the horror movies. Phantom anyway, of the so. Opera. Okay. All right. Good to know. How about coffee? I noticed you didn't uh, get a coffee this morning. Square. You're naturally vivacious. Yep. It's all from internal um, engines. Yes. People people don't like to uh, wake up with me. <laughs> like go back to bed. Because I'm, yep, ready to go. Good to know. Yeah, you were, you beat me to the, uh, uh, to the coffee shop. And totally opposite of my wife, who is a night person. Yep. So, um, yep. Good, good complimentary. But I can fall asleep anywhere. I mean, oh. I, I've slept on airport floors, I, anywhere. Yeah. Good to know. So if you suddenly fall asleep here, I won't take it personally. <laughs> if I fall asleep at the mic, then you should probably call a doctor. Okay. Very good. That's uh, that's good to know. I should have people fill out a little. What's your emergency contact uh, before they go on? Driverless cars, fair or square? Fair. Yeah, you want one? 
And from when I was a little kid, I dreamed of creating one. Really? Yep. I thought, I mean, this was way before GPS and that kind of thing, but I thought it would be really, um, we'd have to do a lot of infrastructure changes, probably have to put a magnetic stripe down roads or whatever, but it would be great to just be able to sit around like in a living room and trans be transported to where you're going as opposed to like having to figure out about traffic and that kind of thing. Having so, to deal with people yeah. basically. So what was, were there any other innovations you had when you were thinking about it as a kid? Um, I like the living room options. You might have a little, uh, uh, fireplace on one end and some couches. <laughs> I was thinking more of conversation bit. So oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, all, we're not all facing like straight ahead. We're like right. sitting around in around. So uh, I chairs guess around. can turn and yeah, 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 that's a good idea. Very nice. Uh, where did you land on the Orlando flag? So I know they just uh, recommended the last one. Can you talk about that? I mean, you're with Orange County, so I don't know if there's any <laughs> natural competition on this. I'll talk as a private citizen, not as a representative okay. of Orange County. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> I yep. assumed you were doing that throughout, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm fair. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think a simplified flag is cool. I thought we needed it. So the last one came up in 1980, and that was part of a contest as well. And it just was so busy. And yeah, uh, yeah. so I... I do, I think this one still has a couple of elements that, uh, you know, still has a lot going on, but I think it is a lot better than the one we had before. But, you know, flags are, re I, I think flags are very interesting. And whether they're complicated and or plain, they're different from each other. And, um, I mean, there's there's so many of them that um, I'm, I'm pretty easy. Like, anyone will do. It, yeah. it has its own interest in one way or another. But I, I do think that um, the Lake Yellow Fountain is a kind of icon for our community. Mm -hmm. And I like the simplicity of the blue and white. And, yeah, and so. very straightforward. And we can put that on T-shirts and stuff. Yep. I like that. Okay. Uh, theme parks. Where do you stand on theme parks? Going to them. Uh, square. I've kind of gotten over the, like, people crowding all around me kind of thing. Been there, done that for so many years, being performing in the theme park, performing yeah. at festivals. Um, I would much rather be up there in control of those people as opposed to like in the huddled masses yearning to get in. Oh, so like in the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World kind of control room, making them go where you want, releasing the dinosaurs. <laughs> I just mean entertaining them. and. Oh, um, oh, I went a completely different direction. Yeah, no. Yeah. So no releasing of the dinosaurs. Uh is what I'm hearing from you. Well, that would be interesting too. Okay, let's work on that. Let's think about that a little bit more. Where are you fair or square on cursive? So states are starting to require that kids learn it again. Fair. I was very confused that my daughter never learned that. Yeah. And when she gets a letter from grandma, we've got to read it to her cuz she can't translate it, out. it for. Her. Of course, handwriting may be part of that, but yeah. um yeah. And um I think I just was hearing something about studies about some of the mental synapse things that are happening in cursive uh, as opposed to printing as well. Oh, it gets you going a little bit uh, more. I can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah. it, it sounded like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. All right, I'll take that. Where are you, fair or square, sandwiches? Mm, fair. Fair. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Hmm. I don't eat sandwiches a lot. But, um, well, a good grilled cheese sandwich is nice. Okay. I'm with you there. Yeah. All right. I like that. 
the beach. Fair. Just just was at the beach the last couple of days. Oh, nice. Okay. So you're good during the, the see I have growing up at, in Daytona. I'm done with it. I could never go back and I'd be totally fine. Well, I'll tell you we were more looking out the window at it than uh, on it. Okay. But yeah. um so you know that it's there. Yeah. You know that it's slowly creeping up and going to <laughs> cover you in water. And you know, I did take off my shoes and walk down and get the tactile sense of the sand yeah. rushing out from under my heels and I was when the tide goes or the, the water washes out, it always washes away your heel before your toes but because you're more weight there so like i'm trying to stand maybe more on my toesy get evens instead of sinking backwards i sink the same you know playing games with the surf so you're doing some sort of yoga some sort of beach yoga (laughs) that's very cool well i guess start that as well uh how about tiny houses you've seen this the very very small potentially on wheels yeah would you move into one um yeah, uh, we just had some friends uh, in Seattle that got married and moved into the tiny house that he had built. Wow. Yep. How long do you think they'll stay married? I think they'll stay married a long time. And it's very interesting because they're both tall. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he's 6'4", uh, and she's 5'11", I think, or something like that. So um, it was very interesting to think of them. In a tall, in a tiny in a house. Tiny house. So is it tiny, but you know, fairly tall house? Uh, yeah, it's fairly tall, except okay. for the bed. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah it's up, up in the loft. <laughs> you have to crawl in. That should be interesting for them. We'll have to check back in with you on how it's going yep. up there. If you could just give us uh, regular updates. Yep. With pictures, that would be great. Uh, fair or square cobbler? Fair. That's one of the tougher questions. Yeah. Well, no, I've, I've. Um, I've had a number of shoes that lasted longer than they would have because they got new life from a cobbler. So very nice, very nice. How about the dessert? Fair. Okay. Cobbler or pie? Oh, that I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, love a, a fruit cobbler, fruit a, cobbler, a berry, not okay. so much peach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peach, peach cobbler, eh, whatever. You could take it or leave it. Yeah, but the berries, mmm. Yeah. Very nice. And I, I grew up um, in northern Minnesota where my grandmother was a blueberry picker. She would, as soon as they were ready, she's out in the woods picking blueberries and um, blueberry cobbler or blueberry dumplings. Uh, oh, my favorite. Blueberry dumplings. So like a little mini pie. It is like a, a little spherical pie. Yeah. Um, and then it's um, in the pan. There's lots of butter and sugar and cream and so the the bottom of the crust is kind of nice and soggy and full of bad things for you right now when you're a kid (laughs) and it's very good okay now i'm starving so thank you for that uh (laughs) one more question for you uh you can pick pink or green these are questions submitted by past guests for future Uh guests i'll go with the green okay so you're going to read that last one you want me to read it out loud? Yes. yes what please. would you like to do when you grow up? Do I have to? Uh, no. Okay. I, I mean, I, I love what I'm doing, and I hope to keep doing it. <laughs> very good. Well, we'll hear a little bit more about that. Uh, thank you very much, Terry. Sure. And uh, we're going to get to know you uh, a little better in terms of what you're doing, uh, what the future holds for Orange County, public art. Uh, first, want to get a little bit more of your background. You were involved in SAC. 
you were involved in the Fringe Festival, uh, so a lot of people already know you in town, but uh, we'll get your uh, your entire life story. Oh, my. From start to finish. Uh, How even, many hours? Even the part in Alaska. Okay. Because I think that was pretty pretty interesting. Uh, so we're going to play the Slack Tide right now with Bedpost on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. The Broken West with Elm City on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. The Slack Tide was before that with Bedpost. Uh, one of the reasons I played Elm City, Terry, I don't know if you remember this, Terry Olson, my very special guest today. Thank you again for being here. Sure. Do you remember, uh, it was, gosh, it was probably about 10 or 15 years ago when there was sort of this uh, this emergency thing going on because we had all these 100-year oaks. That's what we have all around Orlando. And, like, it was 100 years. Hmm. So in 2010, I think it was. So in 2005, everybody was starting to freak out a little bit, like, okay, the trees are all going to fall down here soon. And one or two fell down, and everybody flipped their lids. I don't remember that, but I did... We've we've have had my house for 20, uh, 20, 21 years or so, and we had a big oak, yeah. and it has it was reaching the end of its life, and it's gone now. Aww. Used to cover kind of the whole backyard, um, but, and now it's all open for the sun to just. It is one of the most destructive forces. The sun, yep, doesn't do anything good for the earth, is from what I understand. Yeah, from no, the science. I don't that remember that. I I do remember. Um, one uh after i had been here a few years there was a, a big uh, grove of big oaks near where i lived and one day i came by and they were cutting them down to make mini storage and i actually got tears in my eyes i mean it was a beautiful grove of big old oak trees and they're cutting it down to make mini storage little garage things little garage things well we have a lot of stuff that's made out of wood so i guess it's oh. recycling uh, whatever <laughs> so terry uh you are the director of uh at orange county the director of arts and cultural affairs mm -hmm. and i was reading i was doing some research on you and i was reading a very interesting sort of interview about you was uh it was job-related, it was career-related. They were asking about your particular role and saying, you know, it was a very dry interview in terms of, what do you need? Do you need a high school degree? What courses do you take afterwards? And things of that nature. And you were trying to do your best to answer their questions, but you could tell kind of reading in between the lines that, <laughs> well, there's no real way, there's no real good background to do this. Your background is extremely varied. Uh, mm -hmm. And so an art administrator, you're going to find people from... Uh, people who have worked in museums historically, people who've worked in the theater historically, and things like that. I don't think you're going to find anything like a, a degree that'll get you there. So, well, there are arts administration degrees, and um, I've taught some course in that at UCF, and I have taken some. But um, no, my and I, and I had, as I was um, getting my degrees in theater. And like I did some teaching, I didn't want to be a person teaching just things I've been taught. I wanted to teach about what I'd experienced, right? Um, which seems more connected than theoretical. So um, I'm sorry, I think I got off track there. But, no, no, uh, that's great. It's I think it's probably related as you're talking about this particular job that does incorporate like all my life experiences in, in all the arts. So, yeah. Well, I think that's of more value. So you've been here, you've been in the Orlando area since the, I think the early eighties. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, a lot of people, you've done a lot of things in the community. So you helped found SAC and that was even predates your time coming here. We brought SAC here in 1982 for the opening of Epcot Center. Right. And so you were performing out there. I think at one point you had up to 60 performers, something Mm -hmm. along that. 60 full-time employees at one point. That's amazing. And then basically Disney decided to, uh, they were going to do it in-house. Mm-hmm. and you decided and worked with the city on getting a space downtown so that you could continue doing what SAC had sort of started. Well, um, actually, it's a big change kind of in what SAC did because the um, our, our roots at SAC were at Renaissance Festivals and were stories that um, we did script, although there was improvisational moments of it, but mm-hmm. it was it was a story front middle and um and that uh got to be such so refined that basically anybody could do it and it was still a good show whereas the sac comedy lab is total improv like every story is brand new um uh, based on the suggestions of what they get from the audience so it's a very different kind of thing actually so how did you make that switch then well this this style that we were doing at Renaissance Festivals and that we were brought to Epcot Center to do was actually kind of a genre that we developed where we used audience members as characters in the show. Mm-hmm. And so their responses were part of the show. So those, that was really more where the improv came in, was dealing with the audience. But a big part of the skill was judging the audience as we did a pre-show and understanding who's going to be a really good person to be up there. Uh, okay, so kind of testing out the audience to mm-hmm. see who's going to, because as opposed to somebody who comes up and is just yeah. too embarrassed to talk or too something. Too embarrassed to talk, lines. or a little embarrassment is actually great. Yeah. The, even worse is the people that really think they're funny, <laughs> and they're not. Like and, people who host radio shows? <laughs> well, it could be, I don't know. <laughs> um, so uh, we had been developing an improv uh, troupe just in t- in-house, to develop our own skills. Mm-hmm. So it was actually the city who called us and said, hey, we've got a block of buildings that have been abandoned, uh, or not abandoned, but have been vacated because we went, they were, the developer had planned to tear them down, but the economy is such that it's not going to happen. Right now you want to take a space. And so we said, sure, we'll, we'll take a space and we'll create the SAC Comedy Lab. Wow, that's great. So that's an interesting uh, transition where you saw that opportunity and you said, uh, well, now we'll try improv. Yep. And that kind of was the same thing, or maybe it was the same thing, you tell me, uh, since you would know since it's you, uh, with the Fringe Festival. So you guys had toured in Fringe Festivals as SAC back in the day in, in Canada, right? Sure. So we had done um, Renaissance Festivals, mm-hmm. touring all over. We had done uh, World's Fairs, a number of them, um, in Canada and the U.S. and Australia. And um, then we discovered, actually... The Edmonton, Alberta Fringe Festival saw us performing in Vancouver at the World's Expo 86, I guess that was, and said, hey, can you come perform at the Fringe Festival? It was really the first time. Was that the first time? Anyway, it's, it's, that kind of started our North American touring of Fringe Festivals because we were a big hit there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I had taken a troupe of SAC to the... Edinburgh in Scotland Fringe oh, so Festival. That was our first experience. Yeah. Uh, we had performed over there and had 
a, a fantastic show and lots of really sucky shows that were awful, but um, it was a great experience. So that's kind of how the anyway festivals were very much a part of our makeup and our DNA, mm-hmm. and so we thought Orlando's Deva Festival, maybe a Renaissance Festival, maybe we should run it, and we had to help manage Renaissance festivals in, in several places. But then it was like no. The Fringe Festival, that's what we should have. And a couple of us went to a number of the producers of the Canadian Fringe Festivals are getting together around Thanksgiving time one year. And we went and said, hey, we're thinking about maybe a year or two from now doing one. And they're like, oh, do it. Do it in the spring. You know people. You've been around the festivals. And like, so we, the first one was put on <laughs> in four months time. And it worked. Well, I went to the second one and it was amazing. So I was still living in... Daytona Beach at the time. I had a friend at Ember Riddle. Uh, so you would think that there wasn't much in the way of Fringe Festival or acting fans there, but he happened to know about Fringe Festivals. I think it was from Canada. And he said, Well, this is going on. Do you want to go? No idea what I was getting into and had one of the best experiences. And cool. I've been going back just about every year. So uh, is it so now you're not involved with the Fringe Festival anymore? You did go. Uh, I'm sure you you know you mentioned that you went to 41 shows this year. Yep. You probably go to a lot of shows every year. Did you expect it to be as big or get as big as it is now? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I um, I'm always kind of like, well, let's do whatever we're doing the biggest and best that Possible. that there is. So, yeah. um, uh, we took the model of the Canadian Fringe Festivals and said, how can we improve on that? How can we make it better? And, um, and, and I think we have. Um, well, being Canadian, hang on a second. I don't know that there's anything that we do that you can improve upon, but <laughs> I like your ambition. I like your style. I like your moxie, Olson. Well, it, it differs a lot from Canadians who are, would never like presume to say we are going to be the best. That's They're true. Like, well, we're going to be good for everybody. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually uh, there was another project that you started, the Orlando Theater uh, Project. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yes. Okay. And uh, so tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So when SAC moved here, uh, we moved nine people here for the opening of Epcot Center October 1st, 1982. By Thanksgiving, we had uh, for the Italy Pavilion and... By Thanksgiving that year, we also had uh, moved nine more people here for uh, do a troop in the United Kingdom Pavilion. And so we were here in town. We were doing our style of theater, which is not traditional, and looked around. And there was not um, really a professional theater, like a repertory theater in town. There was the Civic Theater, which is a community theater. Mm-hmm. And when I went to that the first time... I looked around and was like, everyone here has gray hair. I'm, you know, I'm like in my 20-something, and I'm like, this is weird. So um, we looked around and um, took a year or so and created um, Good Line of Theater Project to be a professional repertory theater company. And it lasted for 25 years, so pretty good. Very nice. And so about 16 years ago, you decided to go for a job with Orange County. Yes. And uh, that is the uh, Director of Arts and Cultural Affairs. What do you do there, or and is it what you expected, I guess is the question. 
Well, I never expected to be working for the government. Good point. Time, yeah, it didn't seem like that was the natural path for you. No. Um, I was the um, executive director of the Central Florida Theater Alliance, which became the Central Florida Performing Arts Alliance, which became the Arts and Cultural Alliance, mm -hmm. which merged into United Arts as kind of their marketing department. But um, during that time, Orange County had... Uh, created a task force for arts and culture and um, they're like, what's that about? What are they doing? And so I'd go to their committee meetings and poke my nose in and ask questions and they came up with recommendations to create this Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs and an advisory council and, and uh, a dedicated source of funding for it. And I thought, oh, we don't need another bureaucrat in the arts. Right. So someone said, well, why don't you apply? I'm like, oh, okay, sure, I'll, I'll apply. And um, like I, I mentioned earlier, it kind of took all my life skills and, um, and has been great. I've enjoyed it a lot and mm -hmm. felt like I could help our community move, move forward. Well, what I like about that is you, you noticed an opportunity not only uh, for somebody with an arts background, but to sort of protect the the arts and culture scene that we had at the time. So you saw it well before a lot of other people did, or you saw the potential here in Orlando uh, a lot long before other people did, because I think that Orlando, you sort of think of as, or at least historically, and we'll get into this a little bit in the next segment, um, is someplace that doesn't have a lot of arts and culture. It has a theme park. It has two theme parks. It has 18 theme parks. And uh, there's not much else going on beyond that. Well, the thing is, Orlando is a crossroads of the world, and crossroads of the world are where world cultural capitals happen because of the cross-pollination uh, cross and the ideas coming in. In addition to that, it's got world-class thinkers. I mean, the theme park people mm -hmm. were, were the, you know, the top of the world. And it's got the second largest university in the area, so it's turning out lots of students. And the theme parks are bringing in lots of trained uh, arts people, mm -hmm. uh, performers, visual artists, um, musicians, dancers, etc. And the Fringe Festival, I think, was also part of the germination process because, um, like when I came, if I wanted to be in a play as an actor, I would wait until the theater or maybe two theaters in town would decide to do that play. But the fringe festival said, you want to do something? Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Produce it yourself. It's really easy. You put down a couple hundred bucks for your admission uh, fee and all the rest is like done for you. Mm -hmm. uh, then you just have to promote it and get people to come and you collect all the ticket sales. So I think those things, the, the theme parks bringing people here to world-class thinking, the university developing mm -hmm. people and the fringe festival saying you can do it yourself were some of the, the, the fertilizer that made this a, a fertile place for the arts to grow. Good. Well, I want to get into that a little bit more. What's changed and what sort of, uh, what we're doing better than everybody else, because I am uh, not fully Canadian. I'm also Greek. <laughs> so I'm all about, you know, being better than everybody else. And then uh, what's still sort of uh, missing around town. But let's get into that. I want to play a song here. Uh, this is TV Girl on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. 
TV girl on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. That was, I wonder who she's kissing now. You're listening to a certain degree. I was waiting for somebody to answer. No one did. <laughs> I wonder who she is kissing now. Mm-hmm. Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm here with Terry Olson, director at Orange County of Arts and Cultural Affairs. Good morning again, Terry. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about more about what's going on in Orlando right now, what we're doing right what we could still work on and improve on. Uh, one of the things I keep hearing from people is we're, we're getting to a point, sort of this critical mass of people not leaving anymore. And so there was this idea, you know, to be an artist, to be a successful artist of any kind, whether that's performing arts or uh, the stuff that you put on walls. Is that art? Yes. Uh, you it can to, be. Yes, it can be. You have to leave. You have to go to New York. You have to go to Brooklyn. You have to go to a bigger market in order to do that. And so what I've heard from a few people, uh, guests here and people around town, is that you no longer have to do that. Or people aren't necessarily doing that. They're staying in Orlando. So we're getting much more of a critical mass of those artists and the art community. Uh, You've been here for uh, a while now, especially in your current role. Do you see that? Is that something that is getting better? I think so. Um, it's still hard to make a living as an artist, um, but that's true anywhere. Uh, I'm certainly in New York or L.A., depending on which kind of arts or Nashville um, you are, is your genre, there are maybe more people making a living there, but there's probably even more people not making a living there. So the same percentage, basically. It, it could be. It, um we do have, um, I remember a few years ago, there was a study that released that said we had the, according to the designation on your taxes, those people who are designated as performer, um, we had the highest per capita in the country. And in as dancer, it was like number seventh um, per capita. And um, a couple of the other categories we were, we were fairly high. Makes sense. And per capita. So definitely um, that critical mass, as you mentioned, is important to making a living because people who attend and purchase art, the seeds of other artists watching them, purchasing from them, is important no matter where you are and always has been through history because those are the people that probably are going to most understand your work. But as they do, they bring other people along and it helps, um, again, just to have that critical mass, as you said. And get the people going. Uh, the other thing that's changed is the ability of the artist to make a living through the Internet. Mm-hmm. So whether it's an Etsy shop and you think, you know, mainly with people who are doing sculptures or uh, art, painting, you know, that sort of thing. But also the internet offers opportunities to people who are doing performing arts. So, you know, they do, might do a podcast and eventually sell uh, merch or, uh, you know, some sort of recorded version of their show, right. something along those lines. How has that changed in terms of people moving around? Do they need to, I, I guess, is what it comes down to with the internet being what it is. Well, I think uh, that's still, there's still a plenty of exploration to happen. And, and I don't think that's a settled um path yet mm-hmm. for people but um some people have used that quite well and others are like what what are you talking about um 
but the the live experience is still vital to artists because uh, we are people people we communicate to people and the feedback that you get in a live situation is important to artists now learning how to maximize that and learning how to go beyond that to reproduction or to mass distribution mm-hmm. is um something that all artists should be exploring and learning about because that is the way you can make more money i mean we live in a mass-produced world so the handcraft industry in a mass-produced world needs to be very clever what i think it's important you know you get this sort of idea that as art is sacred you know you put it on a pedestal sometimes and that it has to be a certain way and it's, it is it sure it's not about making money necessarily a lot for a lot of the purists out there but at some point you have to you know you probably want to make a living at it right it is nice to make a living it is <laughs> and so we have this interesting situation where we have kind of factory jobs in the arts mm-hmm. like theme parks where you go and do five shows a day and you put in your shift and you get a nice enough paycheck and you can get a house and you have kids and you know, the kind of, you can live kind of a normalish life. What is great is that, um, there are people that do that kind of factory work and call it factory work because it's very repetitious and right, um, right. the theme park, but also get out and stretch their artistic muscles in the rest of the arts community here. And that's, that's great. Because I, I know from having done that, it's easy to just get sapped from that and then just go home and crash. Right, and, but also, you know, it's also something you come home and if that's what you did all day, you don't necessarily want to do it some more. It's like sitting in front of a computer and writing at that point. You know, you may not yeah. want to. But yeah, if you have that enthusiasm for it, then you can keep going. Yep. Yeah. So would you say, I mean, having worked at the theme parks, uh, I know Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours, right? So was that part of your 10,000 hours uh, in terms of getting better at your craft and at those skills? Is that what, it, you know, is that one of the benefits to, to yes, working out there? Yes, I think so. You get better at it. Definitely. Even um, with the repetition. Mm-hmm. Especially, well, the kind of things we did with SAC, which were very, very interactive with the audience. I mean, how do you practice audience interaction? besides being in front of an audience. So the more you do that, the more you're able to figure that out. So in your current job, and I really like this part of your, your mission statement is elevating the status of the arts in central Florida. I know there's more to it than that, but I really like the idea of elevating the status because I've lived here for years and I've been to other places and I've been to other places with people uh, who thought that every other place was, the bee's knees compared to Orlando. You know, the people from Boston who thought Boston was way better. The people from here who would talk about how everything in New York or Chicago was, uh, you know, so much better than Orlando. So it got me to the point where, you know, I want Orlando to be better. I want, again, the Greek side of me, I want where I live to be better than every other place. And so uh, you're doing that. So uh, what is still missing or what are some pieces and parts that you think we still need to, to really elevate the arts a little bit more? Well, we also live in in a, a market where there is really big bucks um, 
drawing people to their entertainment option. So it's hard. Publicity is hard for the arts. Needle on a haystack kind mm-hmm. of thing in, in comparison to the David and Goliath budgets of marketing. So I don't think that ever stops. Uh, and there are still people after um, 25 years saying, what's a fringe festival? You know, sure. Um, when we have the the largest uh, fringe festival in North America right here, but some locals don't know that. So it's um, your question about what's missing is continued marketing, and not just uh, marketing in the like buy an ad kind of thing, which uh, we don't have the resources to compete with, but it's getting involved in the community. I and mean, one thing I did when I got here is. You know, we joined the Chamber of Commerce and I got on committees and downtown um, Orlando Partnership, get involved in other parts of the community. And then those people, parts of the community, are therefore more connected to your part of the community. It's really easy for artists to stay in their own community. Right, just, in their own little world. You know, the people yeah. that are like you. Yeah. And um, especially... I mean, that happens in any profession, in any group of people. You kind of have your bubble that you live yeah. in. And it's and especially with the Internet. And uh, it's it's possible to connect with people that think like you, that listen to the same music as you, that wear the same kind of clothes as you, that look like you, et cetera. And you can just stay in that. Even more so now because the other people like that might not even be geographically close to you. You're connected to them through social media or whatever sure. kind of thing. So. For everybody, I believe, to be in a world that has some unity, we need to get outside of our comfort zones. We need to get outside of our bubble and go experience something else. Um, so, but I, especially for artists who your job is about communicating with people, if you don't want to just communicate with the limited group of people in your bubble, you got to get out and be part of the world of other people. Mm-hmm. If you're ever in the in the situation where you're surprised why other people aren't thinking about you, it's probably because you <laughs> haven't introduced yourself yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so going back, let's go back to college. Uh, we talked a little bit about this on the walkover. You went to, is it pronounced Bethel? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bethel University, small uh, Baptist college, I believe. Yes. Uh, it was, uh, came, its roots are Swedish Baptist, oh, which nice. became the Baptist General Conference, which now I think it's called advance or something like that so you did drama and theater there yep uh, and then you went to the university of minnesota mm-hmm. twin cities in order to get your master's degree and now you sort of you you've done all sorts of things in terms of your career and your life and a lot on the business side so uh, a lot more than that what advice would you give somebody going out there in college right now who wanted to have Not necessarily a similar career arc, but would you have done anything differently yourself, I guess? Mm. Well, my advice would be to explore everything. I mean, you you need to create your own path. Just um, trying to follow a path that somebody else prescribes is, um, well, I guess it can be successful for some people. But for me, it's always been just finding what the opportunities are and, 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 and and what my passions were and putting them together and trying to find something. And the, the interesting thing you mentioned about on the business side, I've kind of always been that kind of 
both sides mm -hmm. of the brain person. Uh, even in college, when I was a student, I uh, organized, well, the, the theater department was fairly new. My freshman year, uh, the first seven graduates, there were theater majors graduated. So it was a kind of a new um, uh, major. There, yeah. And there were several teachers that would do a play or something, but it wasn't like organized. So I got them together and we organized a season like this, is what we're going to do. We're going to do these three or four plays during the year and would sell it even a season ticket and organize. We'll have concessions and kind of created the, the business end of the theater and made some money so we could do some awards at the end of the season and that kind of thing. Um, so that was always kind of my interest. In fact, in the theater, you're often told if you can do anything else, do it. And I always felt like I could do something. I could be a shoe salesman if that's what I was supposed to be. But you know, this is this is where I think I am. Right. Uh, but I don't think this is what I have to do. And a lot of people, as an actor, you would get an office job so you could do your acting. Uh, you know, sure. At the on the side or in the evening and the weekend. Um, I kind of fell into it with SAC and all that I could make a living acting so I could do my office job on the side, <laughs> my producing, my getting in the office and figuring out how we're going to make this financially work and figuring out what our next opportunity was. Very nice. So kind of, I don't know, upside down world. That's, that's perfect. Well, what, what it tells me is there's no path, right? There's no, like you said, there's nothing that says you have to go from here to here to here. It's just network. Uh, that's important. Look for the opportunities and try to say yes as much as possible, which I think is uh, good from an improv background as right. well, uh, which is my problem because I'm always saying no. Again, <laughs> Greek side of me. Uh, so let's listen to a song and then we're going to take a break uh, and come back with some bad business ideas. So sounds like you're the perfect person for bad business ideas. Okay. You're going to be able to take them and run with them. So we're going to hear uh, The Temptations right now with Get Ready. So I think that's appropriate. I'm here with Terry Olson. My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Neil Hefty and his orchestra on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was from the Batman soundtrack. Uh, of course, Adam West passed uh, last week, so I wanted to play a couple songs for him today. That was Senorita Boobam, which is just fun to say. So thank you, Neil Hefty and his orchestra. Good morning. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK. Winter Park, Florida. Terry Olson is my very special guest today. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, and boo-bam to you. And boo-bam to all of us, as well it should be. Uh, Terry, you are the Director of Arts and Cultural Affairs here at Orange County. Not here, but at Orange County, because we're, in, we're within Orange County. We right are. Now, as far as I understand. And you have started a number of different things here in Central Florida, SAC Comedy Lab, uh, the Fringe Festival, or helped start. I shouldn't uh, give you all the credit because you obviously have right. a lot of wonderful and talented people that help you with some of these things. But uh, you're a smart guy. You're a smart business guy. Uh, hopefully. So this is, the, this is the part of the show that we do bad business ideas. And this is sort of my calling. I feel like arts is yours. So let's mash them together. Okay. So all these callings, uh, once more, <laughs> take bad business ideas Give them an art twist. So I had a couple from la a couple weeks ago that I'm going to talk about in a second. But, uh, you know, really what it comes down to is culture meets crummy. <laughs> Monet meets no way. Bach means blah. Twilight art means lousy from the start. <laughs> and Andrew Lloyd Webber 
meets awful. I ran out of uh, little sayings at the end there. Uh, but bad business. Goes I guess, on forever. Yeah, oh my gosh, I could. Uh, dang it. I wish I <laughs> thought of that. That's why you're here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, badness ideas and art, I feel like, go together like cologne and aftershave. <laughs> so I went back through the archives. I had a couple uh, that I did a few weeks ago that I wanted to just pass by and see what you thought. I'm on pins and needles. One was the busk box. So for street performers and people uh, who perform maybe at Renaissance festivals and things of that nature, that's it, that is your background, uh, they don't always have time to shop for their costumes or maybe at the thrift store to look for things. So what we would do is send a monthly box out, and depending on the type of artist that you are, you would get that and be able to open it up. And if you are a uh, old-timey bluegrass performer, you know, you get a little bow tie and a, a hat, suspenders, they're already pre-worn. And so we would handle that for you. For the Renaissance Festival, it'd be a little more complicated because it would be an entire, you know, outfit, but we could still do that and send that out to you on a monthly basis. What do you think about that one? It sounds very creative to me. Yeah, okay. It's good. actually kind of how SAC started with a sack full of costume pieces that we That's would where the name came from. put on an yeah. audience member and make them <laughs> the character in the show. Perfect. I love everything about that. We could call it sack box. Now that doesn't really work. Uh, another idea I had, so this kind of ties into the public art part of your role. Uh, so that hat that you're wearing was the uh, art as a whip. And so I don't know if you heard about this, but Greenpeace actually blocked uh, the uh, headquarters of Coca-Cola UK to protest all the plastic bottles that they produce every year. And they used a, a sculpture to do it, a two and a half ton sculpture. And so what I thought was we could use art as a weapon in terms of public art to, uh, you know, you would get somebody to pay for it, but it would be in direct correlation to doing something bad to a competitor. So I don't know how you feel about that. So, you know, working for Orange County, you probably have to walk a, a fine line with something along those lines. But, you know, would bring in a lot more money. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, psychological weapons, uh, art is often. So oh. just uh, putting on a production of a Shakespearean play, for instance, can cause great angst amongst and, and, some and people. And drama. Ironically enough, yes, but we won't get into that. But So that's another idea that's out there. I'm just going to give that one to you. Okay. So if you choose to use that in your role at Orange County, fantastic. Uh, there was another, so I'm trying to think of other ideas that we could bring artists into. We talked about artists making, you know, a, a, a livable wage and being able to practice their craft and get to the 10,000 hours so they can go out hopefully and do it full time. So one idea I had was called Amplifier. And the idea was that it's basically a fire share service. So you would actually just pull up. Maybe you don't want to have a fire pit in your backyard. We would deliver one to you <laughs> on those nights where it's actually cold. But what if you don't have any friends? What if you want a storyteller to come and tell some fireside stories? What if you want a, a, you know, some music, a chamber orchestra? So we would add art to Amplifier in order to have the art element in there and have some artists get paid too. Great. Okay. For those uh, two nights of the year that it's cold enough to have a fire? That is that is the problem, and that's why I think Amplifier works, because nobody wants to install a fire pit anymore, because why would you? So the tagline for that is, feel the burn, not the splinters. <laughs> and now with art. Uh, patronage is a big problem. Uh, obviously, not a big problem, but we want to get more people out to more events and more things. And I'm thinking of art galleries and museums. So there was an idea called Face the Music, where we would come in and basically make sure that the right playlist was playing in the space. 
so that you really get the full experience. So you might have even from room to room, different songs playing. So what we would have to do originally, and this is what makes it a bad business idea, is basically break in and steal the art so we could stare at it and come up with the right music. Now, I feel like with you, you probably have a special key to all of the facilities <laughs> here in Orange County. We could just go in. Or, or you could just purchase admission and go in and stare at it. But then it's already opened. We, we would break oh, in before it's even open. Before. So while they're, in, while they're doing the installation, we would go ahead and break in. So that's when we need to be there. Yeah. Um, of course, we have given grants for new security systems at our museums. So um, I don't know. Might might be a problem. Oh, uh, okay. All right. So that one, we'll put that one I, on the Actually, I think the problem is the word patronage. You know, the patronage. I mean, we maybe change the name so it's like a uh, benefit nudge. Um, oh, yeah. Become a benefit nudge. You get benefits by paying by us paying. money. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because patron is a little bit of an older term when it comes to the arts, right? Like that was, the idea was you were an artist and you would have this... The Count yeah. of Monte Cristo. And it's got you. that pay right there. In the yeah, yeah, I can see that. I like how you're wearing the marketing hat too yeah. now. And, and just just so your your um your playlist is, isn't including songs like Money Makes the World Go Round, yeah, things like that. You got to be more subtle. Uh, no, we would be more subtle. Okay. It would really be about the feeling that you get when you're looking at a particular piece of art. Like Good. how do you optimize that relationship? But basically, I want to make people cry when they're looking at the art. Have you ever cried looking at a piece of art? I have actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was in um, I was in Barcelona, as a matter of fact, and I went to the Sagrada Familia, and then the same day I went to the Picasso Museum, and it was what was overwhelming to me um, because I had gone to Greece when I was younger, and I did like all it did to me going to Greece was make me feel intimidated, like by the history of it. It was the first time I've been to Europe. It was the first time. I've been to some of the places where my family was from, and uh, it just bothered me that I would never do something that amazing. Hmm. And going to Barcelona when I was a little bit older, it made me realize that the, the feeling I was feeling was not intimidation, it was inspiration. And so that night, it, was, it just all kind of caught up to me all at the same time, because that's a lot to take in in one day. The Sagrada Familia by itself, I could do for several days, it's so amazing. Uh, that's the cathedral for those people who don't know it. Uh, they've been working on for 150 some yeah. odd years, and they're still trying to stay true to the vision of the original architect who's long gone. Right. Um, and then the Picasso Museum, what was nice about that is it was his very early stuff and his very late stuff. So you got to see all of the transition there. And the the very famous pieces like the Blue Period and all of that, very few pieces of that. So that was really need to see where he come he came from from a classical sense because you could see his uh portraitures uh you could see his landscapes and it you wouldn't think but it looks exactly like you would expect portraits and and landscapes to look and then his late stuff where you just knew he was having fun yeah you knew he was having a lot of fun so yeah i did well cool i i like to ask that question i don't know that a, a visual work has ever moved me to tears um, music, theater, dance have all done that. Yeah. Um, I have, I've been, I have laughed at visual, at me, at, uh, art, um, and enjoyed it and been impressed, but, um, good. I'm glad you have. Good. I'm glad we had that little talk. Yeah. All right. So bad to back, ah, let's try that again. 
back to bad business ideas. That was a lot of alliteration. Did you ever see the movie Truman Show? Yes. Jim Carrey, Ed Harris, uh, Laura Linney. Me too. I saw the first half. So I don't know how it ends, but I'm assuming it was, it was all good. He stayed in that world, obviously. So there was an idea that I had called the Island of Misfit Toys. So you have people that underperform. You have people that perform just right there on average. <laughs> and you can't get rid of them for whatever reason. They've been there forever. Uh, the, you, know, you have uh, practices that don't allow for people to transition out. I'm sure in county government you don't have that problem. <laughs> uh, but we want to get rid of them. We want to transition them somewhere. So we create a new department called the Island of Misfit Toys stock it with actors and they think they're being transferred to another department when in reality they're, you know, off the island and eventually they just disappear. All the actors do. They just kind of uh, wisp away and the person's left there and I'm not sure what happens then, but it gets them out of, it gets them out of your department. I'm not sure that one would work. I, I know too many people that enjoy seeing bad actors. Um, <laughs> no, I was bad thinking the theater. bad, the bad employees the actors would be pretending that they work in an office. Oh. So the employees would still think they're working in an office when in fact they are not, <laughs> they're off somewhere. So they can't ruin your project. They don't bring you down in terms of like uh, their attitude and things of that nature. So you're really just getting rid of people. The actors serve as just like they did in the Truman show where the filler space behind them. So they still think that they're working somewhere. Mm, I see. I mean, no, not so much. Um, it, it's not, uh, not ringing any bells for me. Okay. So a couple other options for actors at work. I wanted to throw these by you. Uh, intimidate your coworkers by getting into a staged fight. So I, I may want to have somebody come in and get into a fight with them in front of my coworkers so they respect me more. I love that idea. Because I assume that's how you earn respect of your uh, coworkers. Uh -huh. And then uh, body doubles, obviously, for when you need to be elsewhere. You could just sort of sit with your back turned to the door so that I could go to a movie and somebody could just be sitting at my desk yeah. the entire time. Yeah. Answering my phone, answering emails. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do all of those. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So we've signed uh, you up. If you could just sign here. <laughs> and that's a blank piece of paper. Very good. All right. So we're going to be right back with uh, a little bit more. Uh, not so many bad business ideas, but a couple of other things including the pop quizzes coming up. You're very nervous about that. I can see you yeah. starting to beat up with sweat and things well, of that nature. I, 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 just before we leave the businesses, uh, you know, I've had plenty of businesses that have failed as well, and I you can't be afraid to fail. So I'd say let's go for them. Go for all of them. I love it. And uh, so we're going to come back with uh, Bright Eyes right now. Uh, I believe in symmetry on WPRK. Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to a certain degree. Bright Eyes on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. I believe in symmetry from their album, Digital Ash in a Digital Urn. Oh. I didn't realize that was coming still. More in space. Good morning, my name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Terry Olson, welcome back. Thank you. Space. Now that we're in space. Ooh. Yeah. We're heading to Mars, just like we talked about the last hour. If you missed any of the show, you want to listen to it later. Uh, it's going to be up on my website with all of the embarrassing things that I've said probably still in there, which will be nice. And uh, so far, Terry has said nothing that I can use against him. Hmm. So that's unfortunate. But uh, we're going to keep trying. Keep, keep, 
if you can't succeed at first, just try, try again. <laughs> try, try again. Terry, um, you've done a lot of different things. So right now you wear the hat of director of arts and culture for Orange County. You have written, you've, have you directed? Yes. Produced. We were just talking about stuff that you'd like to produce in the future while we were off air. So during your work process and, and obviously working for the county too, you're doing uh, stuff sometimes that is creative in nature. I was wondering about your writing and your creative process. What do you do? Do you listen to music during that time? So a lot of people need to have music in the back. I need to have music in the background whenever I'm writing. No, I like silence. You like it to be quiet yeah. and uh, you're just going. Or my wife will have the television on just for noise, she yeah. says. Like, I don't get that at all. <laughs> you like to be quiet in your own little box and mm -hmm. hear all the thoughts going in your head. But really what I, I love is being with people and, and working together and developing something. Oh, okay. Um, but then I do like to take that off to my quiet place and refine as well. So, so your noise is coming from all the different voices that you're hearing when you're yeah. trying to work on something collaboratively. Mm -hmm. And then go back, you need a little bit of silence in order to concentrate on it. Yeah. So what music do you listen to? Huh. I don't really listen to music much. No. Um, when I'm driving, W, um, the N N NPR. Yep. Um, listen to people talking about <laughs> ideas and what's going on in the world. So a lot of podcasts maybe too? or do uh, you... We do listen to some podcasts, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. So you mentioned earlier uh, sort of being moved by different pieces of music or, or different uh, performances. What were some of those? What are some of your favorite ones that you've seen or what are the favorite ones that you've interacted with? Hmm. Um, well, I, I was thinking uh, theater, yeah, lots of music, some um, dance. Dance was the one I was like, hmm, whenever. I remember a friend of mine, Ronald Foreman, doing a, a piece that he created, uh, probably to Vivaldi's, Vivaldi, that just had me weeping. Uh, music, what came to mind is actually listening to the Voices of Liberty. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they've got incredible voices and incredible harmonies and just the beauty and the excellence of what they're singing um, has brought tears to my eyes. Um, lots of things in theater and cinema. The Color Purple, the movie, I just was sobbing uh, really? in that one, yeah. Um, at, at the grace that I saw uh, put into action. So. From all the performances? Yeah, uh, and of the story. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. Um, so. so when you're writing, whether it's something creative or, you know, for work, a report or something along those lines... What happens when you get stuck? What do you do when you hit that block? Talk to somebody. Basically just go out there and find somebody that can relate or you, you just like, um, you know, you, you want to find somebody maybe outside that can, you can start and sort of as you're talking through it, you get through the problem yourself. So as far as creative writing, um, it would, that would usually be around, um, putting a creative patina on a, a speech or presentation that I'm giving. So going out and trying it on somebody, mm -hmm. um, trying it out or um, saying what's missing or that kind of thing. Um, like I, I don't do a lot of just 
pure creative script writing or a novel or that kind of thing. So, so and your goal now, I mean, is you uh, like if you had all the time and money in the world, it would be more to produce things. I think so. I mean, I think my life mission is to create dynamic events that enliven people. And I do that at my work now through a lot of helping other people do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the county invests a lot of money in, um, uh, in, into, into the arts. And I am a resource that people can say, I want to do this. What do I, how do I do that? I want to talk to this person or go there. You know, just the big asset I have is having been around for 35 years. So, Yeah, in the Orlando community. Yep. Very nice. All right, well, let's play another song. We're going to uh, play a couple of local artists, actually, right now. So first is going to be Stay, and then uh, Mark with a C, uh, who was a guest here a few months ago, actually came out with a new EP recently. So we're going to listen to Longtime Listener, and that's going to be on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Mark with a C on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Longtime Listener from his brand-new EP, Half Kidding, Half Serious. And before that, we heard from Stay with Saturday from their EP as well. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. I'm back with Terry Olson. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. And now you've said you've taught classes, you've taken classes. So a pop quiz should be nothing <laughs> to you. Uh, we're going to have some fun with this. Because, I didn't have the study notes, though. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. You'll do... I think okay on this. Right. It's some pretty interesting stuff. So we went uh, half local, we, I did, uh, and half uh, national, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I usually run it. So a restaurant in Tampa and a farm in Lakeland got together. This is not a joke, like, uh, you know, the beginning, the setup <laughs> of the joke. They got together to bring back some of the Sunshine State's older fruit and vegetable species. And so, because they wanted, uh, the, the restaurant in Tampa specifically wanted to be able to cook, like, historically... Uh, Florida cracker food uh, from the 1880s to around 1910. So, among others, they wanted to bring back the state's official watermelon, which is known as the Florida favorite. It fell out of favor because uh, basically it wasn't that hardy. It was hard to transport, that sort of thing. But apparently, very delicious. So, the Florida favorite is a combination of what two breeds of watermelon? Is it A, the Georgia rattlesnake and the Bradford? B, the Jack of Hearts and the Charleston Gray, or C, the Black Diamond and the Yellow Doll? I'm going to go with A. That's a good call, the Georgia Rattlesnake and the Bradford. What I like is all of those are actual watermelon uh, species or types, and I think they could also double as uh, superhero or supervillain <laughs> names. So Charleston Gray, Black Diamond, Yellow Doll. Yeah, so this was the favorite one. It was the official watermelon of Florida. And so the Crumb Brothers Family Farm and the name of the restaurant is Fodder and Shine in 2015. So they took 150 rattlesnakes, 150 Bradfords. They cross-pollinated them. And then this March, actually, they just had the first ones come out. So but you can get that again. Bradford sounded like a watermelon to me. The rest of them didn't. So the rest of them did, right? Yeah. yeah, they all are. It's all on the Internet. So it has to be true. Yeah. Colorado, let's go over to Colorado for a second, is trying to ban the sale of what to kids under the age of 13? Is it A, cell phones, B, recreational marijuana, or C, Dungeons and Dragons? Well, recreational marijuana. Would be something that's already banned for kids under the age of 13. Oh, okay. It's uh, actually cell phones. They're trying to ban cell phones. Mm -hmm. So it's a group called Parents Against Underage Smartphones. 
which is <laughs> pause. Uh, they're collecting signatures to get the initiative on the 2018 ballot. I thought this was interesting. The founder of the group, Dr. Timothy Farnham, is a board-certified anesthesiologist. So it doesn't strike me as the person who should be in charge of that. Uh, well, you know, he's into sleep. And yeah. when you're on a phone, Cell you're... phone, I guess your sleep patterns yeah. go out the window. What he said was, I, I thought this was it. So I wanted to get your take on this as a parent and then as somebody who maybe, uh, when I was a kid, uh, Dungeons & Dragons was bad. Uh, so I remember my uh, my aunt wanted to buy all my Choose Your Own Adventure books <laughs> because she felt like they were in the same venue, that I might uh, commit suicide, suicide because of your Dungeon & Dragon character passing away was a big thing at the time. So she did, and then I just went out and bought more books. So that's what I did. But what he said was, they go from being outgoing, energetic, interested in the world, and happy to reclusive. They want to spend all their time in their room, and they lose interest in outside activities, was the person who was trying to get this passed. Was there anything when you were a kid or anything maybe for uh, uh, your daughter that you felt like or, or that came up and you were like, this is silly. Why are we trying to ban this for kids? Because hmm. that's how I feel about this. It's their electronics. They're going to have to use them at some point. Yeah. I, I guess we were pretty, um, pretty uh, relaxed with my daughter. And, and as I think back, maybe I would be a little bit more restrictive. Um, but banning is just, I don't know, it, it's kind of harsh and often has a backlash. Yeah, so they're banning the sale. So if anybody sold a <clears throat> phone to who they thought might use it uh, for that purpose, uh, they and, would And on the fine. other hand, I would say that... Um, my daughter wanted to get out and meet in person people that she was connecting with online. So, Oh um, yeah. You would ban that as well. Well, no, no I mean, I, what I'm saying is it, 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 yes, in some ways when my daughter could spend the whole day in a room and be interacting with people, but she's interacting with people. It's not face to face, but it's still interaction. So, mm -hmm. um, and in other cases it, it, expanded her world so it does both i mean it, it, i think it's a tool very nice all right let's go to health now the american heart association really recently released a report advising against what was it a coconut oil b dancing or c getting everybody to agree on a city flag but dancing in coconut oil is never a good idea i mean it's <laughs> okay <laughs> Not in public anyway. Okay, there we go. There we go. So, uh, I, I think coconut oil is, I, I was seeing something about this. It's incredibly unhealthy. So it's been sort of sold as a, a healthier alternative, uh, but it is higher in saturated fats than most other things like butter, beef fat, and pork lard. So it's 82% mm. of the fat in coconut oil is saturated. That's not good. As far as I know, that's not good. It's delicious. But it's not good. Yeah. All right, let's stick with food. That's why the coconuts are so round. Yeah, because you just know anything round is bad for you. Yeah. That's nature's way of telling you. That's why I don't eat blueberries anymore. Uh, world's most deadly fruit. Did you know that? What? The blueberry. No. Yeah. Not when it's in a dumpling. No, well, that's the only time. Okay. Because it's two round things together yeah. and they cancel each other out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's how that works. Uh, food right now and sort of a local story. In 2018, NASA will send up a new and exciting food-related experiment to the International Space Station. Another tang. 
if successful, no, not we're, we're not going out. You can't replace Tang. If successful, the test will allow space goers to carb load what in space? So A, fresh baked bread, B, lobster mac and cheese, or C, potatoes grown in recycled materials. <laughs> So what oh, are they going to be able to materials yeah, in space? If you saw the uh, that one movie, <laughs> The Martian, but uh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Uh, and what was the first one? Not mac and cheese, but fresh baked bread. Fresh, I think it's fresh baked bread. It is, which is very hard to say for some reason. But uh, the bake in space test uh, will test a specially devised dough with a microgravity oven. And so they've never obviously been able to, you know, cook bread in space. Yeah. You have no gravity to stop the yeast from. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's the big danger is that it might just grow out and Mm -hmm. continue growing forever. So, yeah. So they're going to try that out next year. So, uh, again, between the coconut oil and the fresh baked bread, I'm starving now once more. And we talked about dumplings, too. So, uh, yeah. That was it. You did very well. I think you got three out of four. Oh, well, good. And you were, the only reason you got the other one wrong is because you're trying to protect kids from marijuana use, <laughs> which is great. I think that's important. So you win. Well, today. yay. I think, I think you don't even need to go to work today. You can no. just go home. No. <laughs> so let's hear one more song and then we'll come back and we'll do some, uh, some plugs because it's almost time to get out of here. Okay. So we'll hear from uh, Andrew Cedarmark and maybe some Steve Earle as well on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. And that was... Oh. Um, probably a drum intro. Okay. Well, that was good. That was Steve Earle with a little bit of extra at the end. I thought you should know. And before that, Andrew Cedarmark was, uh, did a song called From Memory. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. I'm here with Terry Olson for the last time today on a radio show. It's been great to be here. Well, thank you very much, Terry. You're too kind. Terry from Orange County, Director of Arts and Culture over there. Uh, godfather of many of the <laughs> institutions here in Central Florida. Can, can I call you that, the Godfather? You can call me whatever. I think that's kind of, it gives a mafia sort of feel oh, to it. So I like that because it makes you f- seem a little more dangerous because most of the people I have on the show are not dangerous at all. Mm-hmm. None of the dangerous people are returning my calls, which is weird. You would think they would. Uh, so, Terry, we have a couple of things to talk about before we turn it over to uh, uh, a show of 90s music, uh, which is coming up next. Uh, jellies and jams, I believe is the name of it. If you can, if you can believe that peanut butter and jelly is what I like to call it. it. Sticks. And, uh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, uh, public art and, uh, just in general, what would you like to talk about there? Well, I would be great for us to have more. Okay. Uh, around and also to, um, have more variety. I know that, um, one of the things we're doing is uh, a couple years ago, we created a sculpture on the lawn program. We put Mm -hmm. down four 12 foot by 12 foot pads on the lawn at the Orange County Administration Center, which is right downtown at uh, Church and Roslyn and um, have gotten year long loans of large sculptures. So our third year is about to start. In fact, there's a reception next Monday 
at 6 p.m. that everyone's invited to come by, have a little nosh, hear some little jazz music, and look at the new sculptures that'll be on the lawn for a year. The four new pieces that'll be over mm-hmm. there. And I can see there's a little bit of a preview on the website, but that looks like a, it lo- they look like fun pieces. Yep. So, we can have our, uh, the, the, the largest piece, uh, one is 16 foot tall. So uh, that's the yeah, largest one we've good. had. We've, we've wanted them to be six foot or more, you know, yeah. and, um, it is so pretty sizable, and, and there's another visible. one that's twelve foot tall. It's so eventually they'll be big enough you can see them from space <laughs> while you're making some that's the fresh goal. baked bread. Yeah. Well, while I'm up there entertaining and the first entertainers <laughs> in space, throwing throwing bread at people and dough. Uh, so you also have a what I like about it too is uh, you have a database online um, at your website on the Orange County site of all the public art that's out there in Central Florida. And so I, I didn't realize, just looking at that, I didn't realize how much there was. Yep. Uh, we have over 700 pieces listed there uh, that are is art that is publicly available on a regular basis. Some of it might be in buildings, so it might be closed at night, but it's mm-hmm. not behind. You have to pay to get into that space. So, uh, yeah, we've been just kind of trying to make that uh, resource available to people so they can know. As far as murals go, and this is top of mind for me because I went to uh, the Manello Museum this weekend and I got to see and hear some of the artists talk that had uh, sort of some of the up-and-coming Orlando artists, and a lot of them are muralists. They do other things as well. Um, Is there anything sort of big on the horizon for murals and things of that nature uh, coming up? Well, we've we've had a lot of activity in the past year, Mm -hmm. um, mural-wise, a lot um, influenced or... uh, responding to the pulse shooting um there's the west arts district that yep. started up and so yep. that looks pretty amazing i haven't been out there yet it's i've only driven by but there's some very interesting mural work yeah. being done there um of course we also have um jeff skonskin with the uh seminole trail um that's creating five miles of mural Oh, I haven't seen that. Where's that's um, up in Seminole County? Yeah, uh, I think he's got nearly a mile done now. He, he uh, does um, kind of pop art portraitures of mm-hmm. popular people and little sections of the the fence, and he's building fence as it goes along as well, um, and just kind of create this five mile long thing. mural. Wow. Okay, that'll take me a couple of years to get through all of it, though, because I can't <laughs> ride a bike or walk that far. So that'll be good. Well, you'll be distracted. You'll just keep going and you'll oh, realize yeah. you've gone that far. So then I'll have to call an Uber to get me back to the beginning, <laughs> back to my car. Okay, yeah. I could do that. I could do that. Or maybe just Uber the whole thing. All right, very good. Anything else uh, you want to talk about before we go? Um, Just uh, I'd encourage people to get out and uh, experience the arts that we have because we've got some really great stuff. Um. There's, uh, we have lots of festivals, mm-hmm. uh, which is super. We have great theater, great visual arts, great music, dance. Uh, we've got it all. Very good. Well, Terry, thank you so much. Let's pretend to shake hands on the air. <laughs> Very good. We just shook hands. We're going to hear one last song. Uh, this is Lyle Lovett, The Road to Ensenada on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Thank you. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. To learn more about art and culture from the county, please visit orangecountyfl.net. If that's not enough culture for you, visit toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. 
If that's not enough culture for you, are there culture tapeworms? Is that a thing you may have? Please consult your doctor to be sure and for culture that lasts for more than four hours. Thank <laughs> you.